Wow. Did y'all catch that, that when Miles was in middle school, I was preaching? So I'm 75 years old and I'm honored to be up here today. So, hey, ACC, I, when the, uh, the families for baby dedication were lined up on the wall, I leaned over to Miles and I said, this isn't just baby dedication. This is your future student ministry. Isn't that amazing? You know, a lot of people are talking about that the church is dying in America. Apparently, they have not heard of Auburn Community Church yet. Um, and let me just tell you, the church is alive and well. Do you know why the church is alive and well? Because Jesus is alive and well, okay? So um, there's an amazing things that are happening. But here's what you need to know. Wendy and I, in this new season of ours, we, we travel around the country now, and we're around a lot of churches, and we're serving a lot of churches, and we love that. But I have to tell you, what's happening here in Auburn and ACC is really special and really unique. Savor these days. So those of you that give, those of you that that serve, those of you that invite, those of you that bring backpacks, pack the backpack, I love that. Those of you that do that, thank you. Now, I want to pause if it's okay to say hey to all of our other campuses, ACC Birmingham. You're actually our home away from home. Wendy and I live in Atlanta, and uh, there's a very special reason why we like to come to Birmingham. Her name is Jessie Henderson, but there at Rosewood Hall, it's amazing. Thank you for what you're doing there. Uh, ACC Lake Martin, um, I've heard amazing things. I heard it's beautiful up there. I volunteered to be a guest preacher there one Sunday. That's awesome. And ACC Huntsville, look at you. Look at what's happening there. And those of you watching online, it's absolutely phenomenal. But for those of you here in Auburn, I want to pause and say a couple of things. First of all, um, he didn't ask me to say this. In fact, this may be the last time I'm ever here because of this, but your pastor is phenomenal. Wouldn't you agree with that? I mean, he's absolutely phenomenal. And so, Miles, I honor you and thank you. But as great as Miles is, wouldn't we all agree that Courtney is greater? I think we'd all agree with that. So, Courtney, we honor you. And uh, you have to understand this. Wendy and I launched three churches over the last 17 years in the Atlanta area. It's wonderful and it's hard. It's beautiful and it's hard. It's amazing and it's hard. And you know why that's hard? Because you're pushing against darkness. And when you push against darkness, darkness pushes back. So one of the things I want you to commit to, ACC, is to pray for Courtney and pray for Miles and pray for those beautiful little girls. It's really, really important. Now, I want to begin, I know you don't know who I am, I want to begin with some good news and bad news, okay? Uh, The bad news, this may be more important for those of you in Auburn than those of you at our other campuses. Uh, The bad news is, is that I am an alumnus of the University of Georgia, okay? So I'm a Georgia Bulldog. So before you pack up your belongings, there's some good news, okay? I I hear a smattering applause over in the left. I'll see y'all afterwards. Um, (laughs) My wife, Wendy, is an Auburn girl, okay? So I I married an Auburn grad, okay? So there's that. But I, I don't want you to miss this today. I am wearing an orange and blue pocket square, okay? So this is Auburn colors. Uh, One of my heroes, the Apostle Paul, said, I'll be all things to all people in order to win people for Christ, okay? So I'm trying to work with you here today, okay? But today, we're going to talk about something that's really, really important and something that that God placed on my heart for a number of years. And so if you've got your Bibles, I'd love you to turn to, uh, if you turn to Romans chapter 8, of course, your ACC, you absolutely have your Bibles. In fact, there's a gazillion things that Miles can do better than me, one of which is the Bible drill. I can't do that very well, but can I see your Bibles? Can I see? Look at that. Look at that, Miles. Wow. Thank you. Here's the difference between Miles and me. Miles is like, let me see those Bibles, right? (laughs) And the guest preacher says, can I see your Bibles? Okay, so that's great. You can put your Bibles down. We're going to start at Romans chapter 8, verse 31. We're going to be in two familiar passages of Scripture. So if you grew up in church like I did, um, there's a reason why we're going to look at some very familiar uh, passages today. So hang with me. 
Don't kind of shrug this off and go, Jeff, I've heard these verses all my life. There's a specific reason why we're going to look at some, some, some familiar passages today. We're going to start at Romans chapter 8, verse 31. And Paul, this is kind of a hinge point in Romans chapter 8. Uh, kind of a, a hinge point, really, rather, in the, in the book of Romans. In Romans chapter 8, verse 31, he actually, actually asked two questions. And that second question is where we're going to spend uh, most of our time together today. So what I want to do, I'm going to read Romans chapter 8, verse 31 through 39. Um, this is going to be our trajectory of where we're going. I'm going to pray for us. And then ultimately, we're going to wind up in John chapter 3, okay? So Romans 8 to John chapter 3. But let me start first by reading these first two questions. Paul says here in Romans chapter 8, verse 31, what then shall we say in response to this? This is kind of the hinge point. He's been building to all of this. And he says, if God is for us, who can be against us? ACC, we're going to lean into that today. There's an astounding and an amazing truth. And, and Paul, what Paul is doing here, he's doing what a great lawyer would do. He's asking a question that he already knows the answer to. This isn't really even a question. It's more of an implied sentence. But we're going to lean into this today. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Verse 33. <laughs> will bring any charge against those, those whom God has chosen. It is God who justifies. Who is it that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also inter interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And then Paul begins to give some examples that will pale in comparison and fall short to separating us. Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger of sword, as it is written, for your sake we face all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But then Paul makes a transition. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What if it's true? What if it's true? What if it's true that God is actually for you. What I want to point out to you today is that that is true, and it is true, that there should be a result of that, that the fact that God is for you should not just come to you. It should flow through you, to your small groups, through your neighborhoods, through your ballpark teams, through your businesses. Everything should lift when Jesus' people come into the place of work, of business, of school, whatever it may be, because not only is God for you and me, he's for the people that you and I do life with. When we understand that God is for us, it makes a significant powerful difference. I'm going to tease that out for you today. But before we do, I want to pray for us, all of our locations, that God would get me out of the way and allow him to speak to you and through you today because God is for you. So Father, thank you for this incredible truth. Thank you for this incredible church. And I pray for those today who've gathered online at our other campuses. I pray for ACC Birmingham. I pray for, uh, for Huntsville, for Lake Martin, for Auburn, and for those that are, are, are this idea of maybe a watch party is bubbling up. I pray 
that what we look at today, though it may be familiar to some of us, we would never recover from it because of its power. Thank you for being for us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I think if we went around of all of our campuses today and I would say, hey, could you tell me a time when someone was for you, you could tell me a story. And what you would begin to tease out too and begin to tell me is how that person, the fact that that person was for you, really helped in some ways maybe changed and shaped the trajectory of your life. So what I want to do is I want to share a story in my life of how someone was for me to give an example of the power of what we're looking at today. Now, I grew up in church. I mentioned that uh, perhaps. And so I went to church nine months before I was born because I'm a preacher's kid, right? And so I don't know if there are any preacher's kids in the room tonight today, but, but I promised myself that uh, I would never, ever, ever work at a church. Okay, my dad was amazing. He passed away nine years ago. It was amazing, but grew up in church and I promised myself I would never, ever work at a church. So I worked at church for 18 years, and if you, uh, if you get nothing out of what I'm going to talk about, never say you're never going to do something. You know, I, I told God, God, I'm never going to work at a church, okay? Um, I recently told, you know, never tell God you're never going to do something. I think he pays closer attention to that when you do. I think that's somewhere in Leviticus. Um, <laughs> I recently told God, God, I'm never going to be a billionaire. I'm going to see how he handles that one, okay? So... <laughs> So I developed an interest in sports and marketing. I didn't know that you could do sports marketing. So long story short, I found myself working at Chick-fil-A and I managed all of their sports marketing, regional marketing and beverage marketing. And as Miles said, only crazy people ever leave Chick-fil-A, right? So part of my role at Chick-fil-A was to take the sports marketing properties, one of which was the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Auburn has played in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl before. And, and basically people would come to the games and my goal was to make sure that they came to the Georgia Dome at that time and watched on ESPN. And our goal was to do one thing and that was to eat more chicken. Okay, that was my goal, all right? So there I was, this was about 20 years ago. I was, the games in December, as you know, I was in, in, in the summer planning out with our team, how do we help me people eat more chicken with a Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl? I sat down at the Georgia Dome at an empty stadium and I noticed there was a cup holder at the seat. I had an idea. What if at the 72,000 seats and the 72,000 cup holders, we put an eat more chicken cow in all of the cup holders? I mean, that would be amazing, right? I mean, you come to the game and you instantly get a cow and a coupon. That's, that's awesome. The problem was is I didn't have money in my marketing budget to pay for 72,000 cows. <laughs> but I knew someone who did. And his name was Truett Cathy. And he didn't invent the chicken, but he invented the chicken sandwich, okay? <laughs> So I get in my car, I drive down to the corporate headquarters, I go up to the fifth floor, I knock on the door, Truett's in that day, I sit down, and, and Truett's my business hero, right? I mean, just amazing. So I pitch this idea, Truett, imagine this, 72,000 fans, 72,000 cows, 72,000 free sandwiches, this is going to be awesome. And so Truett, an amazing, generous man, but very frugal, we had a good conversation. So finally, he looked at me and said, Jeff, do you think I should do this? I said, yes, sir. Here's why, Truett. I don't have money in my marketing budget, but rumor has it your 401k is fully funded. And so what I want you to do is I want you to write a personal check for this, all right? So we have a great conversation. He goes, all right, let's do it. So he writes a personal check for however much this costs, right? And so I walk out. Well, I've never bought a cow before in my entire life, okay? I felt like a cowboy. This is amazing, right? Now I got to figure out how do you get 72,000 cows in the cup holders, as my wife, Wendy, says, you're wow, but you're not how. You have absolutely no idea how to do any of these ideas that you have. By the way, just side note, how many of you are wow people? Yeah, how many of you are how people? 
Isn't it amazing how y'all married one another? That's amazing, right? So fast forward to the day of the game. It took us three days to get the cows in the game. It's the University of Georgia versus the University of Virginia. Sold out Georgia Dome. Fans come in. They're getting their cows, and they're showing it to one another. And I'm thinking, oh, whose idea was this? Oh, this is my idea. Thank you very much. This is awesome. Little did I know disaster it was about to strike. So the game begins. Virginia scores first, 7 to nothing. They get the ball back. They score again, 14 to nothing. They get the ball back. A third time, 21 to nothing, they score again. We're not even out of the first quarter. And the Georgia fans in the Georgia Dome are thinking, are we going to get blown out here in our home state? So Georgia gets the ball headed toward their end zone, get inside the red zone, but an official drops a penalty flag, effectively ending the drive. And the Georgia fans in the Georgia section absolutely lose their minds. Yeah, y'all are a lot smarter than me. So... There's a guy, he looks at his cow, he's so frustrated, so he takes it and he throws it onto the field. And guess what happens next? 20,000 of his closest friends take their cows, and they're like, that's a great idea, and they throw it onto the field. I'm staying in a Chick-fil-A suite and my marketing career flashes before my eyes. Y'all, they had to delay the game to sweep all the dead little cows off of the Georgia Dome field. Now. I know that you've had a bad day at work, but I bet your bad day at work was not broadcast nationally on ESPN. And rather than go to commercial break, oh, no, 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 we got to stay locked and loaded on this marketing disaster, to which one of the commentators says, and I quote, who was the marketing genius that came up with this idea? So as a result of that, I became a pastor. That's, that's kind of how I got here. That's how I got this moment. So, I'm standing there, I'm standing there, and my boss, David Salyers, who Miles knows, walks up to me. And David said, he's going to say two words to me, and you know what the two words are? It rhymes with you're tired, right? So (laughs) David comes up to me, he looks at this same situation and comes to a completely diametrically opposed conclusion. I'm thinking this is a disaster. David says, Jeff, there's an opportunity here. Isn't it interesting, by the way, that two people can look at the same situation and come to diametrically opposed conclusions? Isn't that interesting? You know, this isn't just true with people. It's true with dogs and cats. Dogs look at their owners and say, you feed me, you pet me, you shelter me, you love me, you must be God. Cats look at their owners and say, you feed me, you pet me, you shelter me, you love me, I must be God, right? Same situation, (laughs) diametrically opposed conclusions. Okay, so David looks up to the situation and says, Jeff, this is amazing. By the way, let me just say this, shout out to the Auburn fans. You would have never thrown the cows on the field. You're more high class than us Georgia fans. I get that, all right? Just want you to know that, gotta say that. So David said, hey, what if we do this? What if at next year's game, when the two teams run onto the field, what if we could get the cows on the field in a different way? So we got together at the Chick-fil-A headquarters the next week, and we came up with this idea. I said, hey, when the two teams run on the field, let's go to the top of the Georgia Dome, and what we're going to do is let's put parachuting cows, let's put parachutes on the cows, and literally dump thousands of parachuting cows onto the field at the Georgia Dome. We did that. And that's been a Chick-fil-A tradition for the last 23 years. Now, why do I tell you that story? Because what I thought was the worst day in my marketing career actually ended up being one of the best. And here's why. A year later after that, David came to me and said, hey, there's a church leadership conference in Chicago. Would you like to go? I'm like, sure. I've never been to Chicago before. We're going to go to a Cubs game. I'm in. Let's go. We go to this church leadership conference, and I am completely blown away. 
I stumble out at a break at their lake out there, and this has never happened since ACC, and I can't really describe it, but I'm standing at this lake, and God says, you're going to start a church someday. And three years later, Wendy and I left Chick-fil-A to help start a church in Atlanta called Buckhead Church. And the reason that happened, one of the reasons that happened is because David Salyers was for me. Now, that changed the trajectory of my life. But with all due respect to David Salyers and with all due respect to the people in your life, here's the truth that we're looking at today. God is for you. And I want you to see that today. To do that, I want you to look to John. We went from Romans 8. I want you to look at John chapter 3. We're going to be in a very familiar passage, John chapter 3 today, all right? John chapter 3. But I want to tease this out and begin this passage by asking you a question that my dad gave me. As I mentioned, my dad was my hero, but my dad had a concern with me being a preacher's kid. And the concern that my dad had was that I'm around this every Sunday. I went to church three times a week, by the way. Some of you did that. Uh, in fact, let me, let me give you a little trivia. Uh, we went Sunday morning, Sunday night, and when else? Wednesday night. That's right. Okay, three times a week. My dad was a little concerned that, son, you can get so familiar with this that you can take it for granted. And one of the things he wanted me to make sure of, to make sure that my heart always stayed tender to the gospel, he gave me this question. And he said, son, I want you to ask this question to the people in your life, friends, especially those that don't know Jesus yet. And here's the question that he gave me, and I'm going to give you. I think it's one of the greatest questions I've ever seen. And the question is, what do you think God thinks about when God thinks about you? What do you think God thinks about when God thinks about you? There's a very famous theologian, A.W. Tozer, that said the most important thing a person thinks about is what they think about when they think about God. I think that's true, but I think this question, what do you think about? What do you think God thinks about when God thinks about you? By the way, isn't it amazing that God thinks about you? Isn't it amazing that you are his idea? Like, there's chances, good chances, high chances today at all of our locations. There's a few people you came in today and the, most, the biggest critic in your life is you. Maybe you need to understand that you're not junk, that God sees you as a work of art created by his hands, his idea, his creativity. God is for you. But I want to tell you, I've been asking this question for years. As Miles just mentioned, I'm, I'm very old. I was preaching while he was in middle school, right? So I've been asking this question for a long time. And I want to tell you the number one answer that I hear the number one answer over and over and over again. Here's the number one answer. When people are honest, like, well, can I be honest with you, Jeff? I'm like, no, lie to me. Of course you can be honest with me. What do you think God thinks about when God thinks about you? Number one answer, people look around. I think God's disappointed in me. I think God's disappointed in me because I'm kind of disappointed in me too. So if I'm disappointed in me, I'm sure a holy God is disappointed with me. And so what happens in that moment is when you feel like someone is disappointed in you, you keep your distance from them. And when you think God is disappointed in you, you keep your distance from God. I had a guy that I was trying to invite to our church in Buckhead for years. And I said, hey, will you come to church? Will you come to church? And finally he just said, Jeff, I'm never coming to church. And I'm like, okay. And he goes, can I tell you why? I said, sure. I said, the reason I'm never going to come to church is I'm convinced that when I step in Buckhead Church, lightning will strike me. Because, true story, because I don't belong there. So what I need to do is I need to get myself cleaned up so that I can come to church. And I said, can I tell you, you're descri describing the exact opposite of how this works. And I said, here's the deal. If you'll come this Sunday, if lightning does strike you, you don't have to come back. 
but I'm pretty convinced lightning's not going to strike you. So he came that Sunday, and he came the following Sunday. And to see what God has done on this guy's life is absolutely remarkable over these years. But what, what he had to understand is that God is for him. Now, God's for a lot of things. God's for his glory. It's not about us. It's about him. I get all that. But in a conversation that Jesus has with Nicodemus in John chapter 3, he gives us a statement. He gives us a message. He gives us two verses that ACC, we can't ever take for granted. We can't ever go, yeah, I, I heard that. What else you got? This truth, we, we, we can never recover from John chapter 3. I love the Apostle Paul when he, when he says, I'm the chief among all sinners. I love that because Paul never recovered from the gospel and the grace of Jesus. In fact, the love of God compelled him forward. And he said, if there's a ranking of sinners, I'm number one. You, you know, when uh, in the preseason of college football, when the rankings, rankings come out and the, the team that shall not be named is always ranked number one, right? And so what Paul would say is if there's a ranking, I'm number one. And yet he did not carry that around as a ball and chain. He carried it around with a grateful heart to say, look at what God has freed me from. There are people in this world who want, need to be freed from that as well. There are people who think that God is disappointed and against them. I am going in my own little life, just plant churches and do things. The apostle Paul, I think that would compel him and ultimately write, if God is for us, and the truth is, he is. And so in John chapter three, Jesus begins in verse 16 with this word, for, for. It's a simple little word. But John chapter 3, verse 16, maybe you memorized it and maybe you just kind of flew by that word for, but I want to tell you what that word means. My favorite definition of this word for is to be in favor of. David Salyers was in favor of me in the Georgia Dome all those years ago. There are people that were in favor of you. And what Jesus is unpacking for us is that he wants to show you and show me and show Nicodemus who God is in favor of. And that's the second, verse, second word in this verse, for God. We're gonna look at John 3.16 and John 3.17, just so you know. And John 3.16 and John 3.17 start with the same two words, for God. Then as Jesus is unpacking this, he's, gonna say, I'm, I'm, he's saying, I'm gonna show you what God is in favor of. And then he gives us these powerful six words, for God so loved the world. You know, Jesus could have said, for God loved the world, and that would have been accurate. But I want you to see today, ACC, this powerful, amazing, important word called so. Because this word so means, hey, for those of you that doubt, this word so means for those of you that think God's disappointed and against you. For those of you that say God is not for me, Jesus would add this little word so, which means most certainly. Don't doubt for God most certainly loved the world. But what this means is, is that for God most certainly loves you. Wendy and I, years ago when we started Buckhead Church, we, were, we would have these Bible studies at our house called Starting Point. And Starting Point was for people that were turning to faith. They didn't have faith. They were exploring Jesus. And so our first night with this first group, these folks would come over to our house. This is when Jesse and Cole were really little. Um, we just have people over our house and just kind of open up the Bible. And so our first night together, we you know, got to know one another. And go, okay, we're going to open up the Bible today. And I just want to let you know before we begin, God loves you. God loves you unconditionally. 
God loves you more than you will ever know. God loves you. So I began, and there was a lady that started crying in our living room. Now, I was still working at Chick-fil-A right now. I was, you know, we're in the early days of all this, but I was still on staff at Chick-fil-A. Well, um, there's a lady that I just met a few minutes ago, and she's crying in my living room. Well, I'm a conflict avoider. So I don't know what to do. In fact, did you know there's conflict avoiders and conflict enjoyers, okay? <laughs> they also get married, okay? That's another sermon for another day. So there's a lady crying. I'm thinking, does, does the church that we're at, do they fire their volunteers? What do they do wrong? I'm, I just need to stop doing this. So rather than engage with her as a conflict avoider, I turn my back and go, okay, so on page three tonight, we're going to be, and there's a lady crying over here. So my wife is looking at me, Wendy, and she's looking at and she, you know, for those of you that have been married for a while, you know how you can communicate without saying anything, right? And so Wendy was looking at me saying, there's a lady crying in our living room. Let's do something about that, right? So I turned to her, her name was Tanya, and I said, Tanya, I'm so sorry if I offended you. That's not why we're here, you know, but I'm so glad you're, you're, you're welcome to here in our house. But if we offended you, I'm so sorry. And she was, oh, no, no, you didn't offend me. I've just never heard that before. I said, I'm sorry, you've never heard what before? She said, well, I knew that God loved the world. I just didn't know that God loved me. I'm telling you, ACC, that was a pivotal moment in my life. You see, I grew up in a church, I grew up in a home where God loves you got more airplay than past the ketchup. I heard God loves you over and over and over Again, and yet there's a lady in my living room who's telling me, you know, I've never heard this before. And then to see her a few months later get baptized at this church, to see her now in ministry in the city of Atlanta, it's absolutely phenomenal, but we should not be surprised. That's what the unconditional love of God will do for you. I'm telling you, the, 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 the unconditional grace in God, of, of God be careful, ACC. The unconditional love and grace and mercy of God will flat mess you up. It's been known to turn chicken salesmen into preachers. I'm telling you, you have to be really, really careful with it. Sometimes I believe in the church that the reason that we're not comfortable with grace is because we don't trust the love and grace of God. But I'm telling you, yes, grace and truth, yes, but what Jesus is saying here is for God most certainly loves you. Have you gotten too accustomed to this verse? Gotten too familiar with it? Or does it absolutely rock your world that Jesus loves you? Now, for those of us that doubt whether God loves us or not, Jesus, that's what's so important about the rest of this verse. I mean, the whole part of this verse is important, but Jesus is for God most certainly loves the world, that he gave his one and only son. If you doubt how much someone loves you, all you need to do is look at what they're willing to give up for you. I tell my kids, this isn't a great parenting move, so don't write this down as, for those of you that just did baby dedication, don't write this down, this is not good. But I tell my kids, if you ever doubt how much your mom and I love you. Don't forget how much money we spent on your college education, okay? So not a great parenting move, but I'm saying, hey, don't ever doubt that. This is what we were willing to give up for you. And whenever we go, oh, I just don't know if God loves me, you have to look at the cross. I don't know if God, I mean, God may love the world. I just didn't know that he loves me. You have to look at the cross. 
That was the extent that God was willing to go through to get to you. You see, Jesus didn't just go to the cross. Jesus went through the cross to make his way to you. That's the extent that Jesus went to. That's how much he loves you. And that's how much God the Father loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. ACC, we've got to continue to stay on this message. This is the greatest message the world will ever hear for God so loves you. And yet tomorrow, there are gonna be people at work, in the neighborhood, in the community that do not know this truth. And when Jesus' people show up at work, the work environment should lift. By the way, I think it breaks your heavenly father's heart that his sons and daughters will go to work at toxic work environments tomorrow. You see, when people ask me, Jeff, when did you decide to go into full-time ministry? I understand the question because when they said, you know, when I left Chick-fil-A to help start a church, they said, when did you go into full-time ministry? And I had to tell them, well, with all due respect, I was already in full-time ministry. And that wasn't because I was working at Christian Chicken either, okay? I was already in full-time ministry. So for those of you that lead businesses, for those of you that are managers, for those of you that are supervisors, for those of you that are assistants, for those of you that go in tomorrow, it's not a separation of Sunday to Monday. No, it's actually, actually in many ways more important because Monday you get to live this out. And so what happens is in those environments, we want people to look at us and go, wow, maybe, just maybe it's true. Maybe there is a God that loves me because of how well you treat me. I'm telling you, the workplace, this is another sermon for another day, but the workplace I'm seeing, because what I do right now, and don't tell anybody, let's maybe not put this online, I'm just kidding. Um, One one of the things I do in the business world, I go undercover. I go under, I talk marketing. Here's two questions that are going to grow your business. They're actually pretty good questions, by the way. Here are two questions. I talk marketing and advertising. But you know how the Apostle Paul says the aroma of the Spirit goes with us? So I do my little marketing talk. I do my little advertising talk. I was in Orlando in Michigan doing these little talks, right? And then afterwards, people come up to me and go, hey, I'm a Christian too. Can I ask you something? Or, hey, there's something that, they, in, the, in the bio, they said you were a pastor. Can I ask you something? I'm telling you, the workplace and your neighborhoods are fertile grounds because there are people that do not know this truth. But if that weren't good enough, Jesus goes on in John 3, 17. John 3, 17 says this, for God did not send, let's not miss this, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So what John 3, 16 and John 3, 17 is saying is that Jesus came not to condemn the first time he came to save. Jesus came to help us not to withdraw. Jesus came to be with us, not to judge us. Jesus is here with open arms, with open nail-scarred hands to say, I love you. But here's the reality, ACC. Here's the reality of the local church. And let me say, I'm, I'm going to try to say this as best as I can, okay? I know I'm a former marketing guy. I'm a trained marketer, okay? I understand that. 
Um, the church is not a business. The church is not a, you know, I get all that, okay? So, so hang with me, all right? And if I get this wrong, and I might get it wrong, you can email me. And my email is miles at auburncommunitychurch.net, okay, <laughs> dot com. The church is not a business, but if I could put on my marketing branding hat for a moment, I would tell you the church has a branding problem. The church has a messaging problem. What I just read to you is a message that the world is aching for. What I just read to you is a message that the world actually, um, I think, God imprinted upon the heart of mankind to know him and to love him, to glorify him and to experience his love. I think that's imprinted upon him. And the local church is the vehicle that he's going to use and it is using, look around at what's happening at ACC to spread this message of John 3.16 and John 3.17. That said, here's the reality of the issue for us today. That many people are more familiar with what the church is against rather than what the church is for. Many people are more familiar with what the church is against rather than what the church is for. Are there things we're against? Absolutely there are things that we are against. And yet at the end of the day, many people are more familiar with what the church is against rather than what the church is for. And what happens in that moment is as people tease this out, what ultimately they are thinking is that the church is against me and God is against me. And they keep their distance. And when a church folds their arms and says, yep, keep your distance. That church has taken a massive step toward irrelevance in their communities. Isn't it wonderful and a little uncomfortable that Jesus said, gave the example of the shepherd that would leave the 99 to pursue the one? A challenging question for all of us believers here today. Is there anyone in your life that you're working with, doing life with, going to dinner with, that doesn't already know Jesus? Because the church is the vehicle to impact the world. But what I've discovered over time as a preacher's kid, and I don't know how this happened, is somehow Christians are afraid of the big bad world out there. So we keep our distance because we're afraid of those people. I don't think that's what Jesus has called us to do. I think Jesus has called us not to be afraid of the big bad world out there. I think Jesus has called us to go lead the world out there. So those of you that, as I mentioned earlier, go wherever you go to more, work, teach, you know, whatever it is that you do, you are positioned for people to see Jesus in you. But this is why this is so important. I love what Dr. Henry Cloud says. And this is, this is why this is important. We're not watering down anything. We're not watering down the message. No, this is about growing in a relationship with Jesus because Dr. Henry Cloud says this, for people to grow, they must discover that God isn't against them, but God is for them. And when people understand that God is for them, then they are able to lean in. And when people understand that you are for them as a Jesus follower, they begin to experience your love, your grace, then you can say whatever it is that you need to say to them because they know that you are for them. And in that moment, we begin to grow up to be the men and women God has called us to be. So what do you do with a message like this? Well, first of all, ACC, you're doing this. You're doing this. I mean, let me just give you one example that's happening today. Pack the backpack. 
There are people and families that will be impacted by your generosity that you may not ever see at one of your locations. But when a community lifts and rises because of Jesus, people, I think Jesus is glorified and honored. In fact, when we started Gwinnett Church over 10 years ago, I got our little team together and I said this. I said, here's my, here's my hope. I said, if we ever decided to close the church down, I don't want to close the church down, but if we ever decided to close the church down, here's what I would want the, to happen. I would want the community to rise up and protest and say, you can't close down because if you close down, our communities will suffer. If you close down, if this church closes down, we will feel it because I don't know about you Jesus people. I mean, we want to hire you because you're amazing. You show up on time and you do great work and you don't steal anything around here. That's awesome. Um, you've got a great attitude. There's a joy. There's a confident humility. Um, I don't know about all the things that y'all you know, think about Jesus, but I'm telling you, I want to hire you. I want to do life with you. It's absolutely amazing. I want that for our church. In fact, we, we would use social media to promote high schools in our area. And there was our local high school, North Gwinnett High School, started to make their way toward actually winning the state football championship in Georgia, which is a really big deal. And they were playing a, a, a team that was near one of our partnership churches. So our church started talking a little trash on social media to our church, partnership church. I'm not recommending that, okay? But I have a feeling the Apostle Paul would have done that too, okay? So... So we start celebrating this football team, and guess what happens? This is a public high school. They retweet Gwinnett Church, retweet Gwinnett Church. Re so you look at their feed. It's North Gwinnett High School, Gwinnett Church, Gwinnett Church, Gwinnett Church. Nobody lost their minds because of the separation of church and state. Nobody called the governor. Nobody, nobody, they were all supportive. And the athletic director came to me and said, can you start doing this for some of our other teams? To which I said, absolutely, but they need to start winning, okay? So we need... <laughs> and the point is, is Jeff, what do you, what's the point here? The point here is we can't say, thank you, God, for being for me and turn our backs to our communities. Because when that happens, at some point, here's what our response to John 3.16 and John 3.17 is. I've been there and done that. I remember that. I memorized that when I was in middle school. What else you got? We can't recover from this message. Yes, God is for you, but he's for the person three cubicles down from you that maybe you don't like and maybe everybody else doesn't like, but they probably think that God is disappointed in them. And maybe, just maybe, the reason you're three cubicles down is God has a plan for them through you. So before we go into communion, I want to close with this story that I think will set up communion, which will talk about the fact, I think, illustrate the fact that God is for us. But this message can't just flow to us ACC Birmingham. It can't just flow to us, ACC Lake Martin and Huntsville, Auburn Community Church. It can't just flow to us. You can get clogged up in here. It has to flow through us. My first sports marketing job was with the Atlanta Braves. Maybe, maybe you've heard of them. And so um, I, basically what I did is I was in their promotions department. But um, back in 1991, a miracle happened. The Braves actually made it to the World Series. Okay, it was amazing. So Major League Baseball said, we, we need to have some parties, okay? pre-game pre parties and post-game parties, and I was responsible for the parties, okay? This is for Major League Baseball sponsors, former te uh, uh, teams that were coming in, 
to watch the World Series. And they said, Jeff, we have one, one rule. You can do whatever you want to. You can order whatever kind of food you want to. But one rule. If they don't have a credential, they don't get into the party. Okay? Like, all right. So first home game of the 1990 World Series, Atlanta Braves versus the Minnesota Twins. Um, gates open up. Pre-game parties begin. And I get a call on the radio from one of our team members. And they said, Jeff, we have somebody that, that wants to get into the party, but they don't have a credential. And I'm like, well, you know the rule, right? If you don't have a credential, you don't get into the party. And they said, yeah, but the guy's name, um, his name is Teddy Turner. Now, for those of you who don't know Teddy Turner, Teddy Turner's dad was Ted Turner, and he was the owner of the Braves, the Hawks. He started CNN and pretty much owned all of Atlanta at that time, right? So they're like, Teddy Turner doesn't have a credential. Jeff, will you come over here and talk to him? So I, that was my job. Okay, so I go over and talk to Teddy Turner. and say, Teddy, here's the deal. You don't have a credential. You can't get into the party. He was so kind. He was so gracious. He said, hey, this is my fault, not your fault. I'll just stand over here at the gate. Don't worry about it. So just a few minutes later, guess who showed up? Ted Turner and Jane Fonda and all their entourage. This is when Ted and Jane were married at the time. So Ted, you know, he's walking in and he looks over and he says, Teddy, he goes, Teddy, what are you doing? Come over here. Let's go in. And he goes, kind of points to me and goes, well, they, they won't let me into the party, Dad. And this was when I was thinking, maybe I should go into ministry. You know, <laughs> maybe this is when I make that move, right? So I'll never forget. In fact, I can see it in my mind's eye right now. Atlanta Fulton County Stadium. We blew up that stadium a few years ago in Atlanta. Ted puts his arm around his son, Teddy, and says, Teddy, it's okay. I'll be your credential. Let's go into the party. And they walk right past me. I'm like, Mr. Turner, you're a fantastic credential. Come on in and enjoy the party. You know what the scriptures teach, ACC? The scriptures teach that God is preparing a massive eternal party for you and me. And if, you've been to, if you went to a great party this weekend, I mean, just got great news. This is going to be an even better party. The problem is, is that you have to be holy to get into this party. That's your credential. And all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. See, do you know what your Savior has done? Your Savior comes aside, comes alongside you, wants to put his arm around you and say, hey, why don't you let me be your credential to get you into the party? And I'll walk you into the party and we will enjoy community and fellowship forever and forever and forever. And when a local church wants to do that and go, hey, hey, I know you might think that God's against you, but can I introduce you to Jesus who is your credential? to come into the family of God, that's a church that God will do, continue to do great things. And that's who you are, ACC. So today, as we celebrate communion, today, man, as you pray over your families, today, as you take the elements, here's what I want you to do. I simply want you to say, Father, <laughs> maybe I've got grown a little bit too familiar with this. I just wanna thank you that you so loved me. And then I want you to pray for one person in your circle of friends that may not know that they've been invited into the family of God. And maybe, just maybe, a conversation will happen this week to let them know, hey, if you think God's disappointed in you, you think God's against you, I've got great news. According to Jesus, God so loves you. So, Father, thank you for this amazing church. As we take the elements pray in this moment that we would be continue to have hearts of gratitude toward you, toward the cross as we pray over one another. I pray that you would bring to mind those that may not yet know you and that maybe a conversation this week 
would begin. Maybe it would be an invitation to watch church online next week. And in this moment, may you be glorified. And we just want to say thank you for so loving us. Jesus, we pray this in your name.